Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome to the Debrief from the Business of Fashion, where each week we go deep on our most popular BOF professional stories with the correspondents who created them. I'm Lauren Sherman. The movement to modernize hair care started in the early aughts when women and men with curly and kinky hair began seeking alternatives to the damaging chemicals in traditional relaxers and other products. Sales of chemical relaxers have actually plummeted about 40% over the last decade in the U.S., according to Mintel. Today, a growing number of lines aimed to grow, restore, and maintain the integrity of black hair are popping up, and they're often created by black founders. But how much is the market, which is dominated by CPG and beauty conglomerates, really changing? Today I have with me BOF correspondents Sheena Butler-Young and Tamison O'Connor, who have both covered the black hair care market, to discuss. Sheena and Tammy, thank you for being here and welcome back to The Debrief. Thank you for having us, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. So you've both covered this market It's growing, it's changing. Tammy, you did a piece in 2021 looking at startups in the space. And Sheena, you recently profiled this company, Myel Organics. Can you talk about why it made sense to do this story now and focus on Myel? Absolutely. I think there are a couple of things here. I think there's one component is the investment side, right? So the founder, Monique Rodriguez, is one of less than 100 Black women to have secured a million dollars or more in funding for their business. Now, we can have a conversation another day about how discouraging that is, that there's less than 100 Black women founders to have secured this kind of investment. But I think that's a nice proxy for how important this business is and the growth that it's seeing. Last year, she got a $100 million investment from Berkshire Partners. That's the reported number, by the way. But Berkshire only invests between $100 million and $1 billion. So we know it's somewhere in that range, which speaks to, again, the value of this business. The other part of it, I think, is the actual product and how Monique made it. So a lot of Black women have this issue with hair that for decades, white-run CPG companies were selling us products like relaxers and other chemicals that weren't good for our hair. We respect and value products that come from people that look like us. Monique is a Black woman who is a registered nurse that really was tinkering around with natural ingredients in her kitchen like avocado and honey and all of that stuff. So she has this real credibility around the health of hair and also having the same background as the women that she's selling to. 
Tammy, how does the story of Mayel back up the reporting you did in 2021 on this bigger market? You profiled a bunch of different startups in this space. I spoke to a few brands and I think the points that Sheena made just now are really key to the story. I think something else that Sheena discussed in her piece, that broader movement away from harsh chemicals to embracing natural textures, that really opened up more opportunities and has underpinned a lot of the product innovation in this space. And, you know, Monique in her kitchen, beginning her brand there in 2014, that's actually more of a common origin story for black hair care brands than you'd expect, which I think says a lot about the availability of natural yet effective products for black hair. And couple that, you know, with the rise of social media, that's really opened up a lot of conversations and opened the door for learning about ingredients. On the other side, there's also been this shift in terms of the fact that so many consumer goods industries, including beauty, have undergone this huge branding revolution. The rise of brands like Glossier, for example, really spearheaded a whole new attitude in beauty about the way brands can look and market themselves and the way they speak to consumers. But while all this was happening, the textured hair category remained pretty stagnant. It was kind of screaming out for a rebrand that we'd seen in so many other sectors. So I think that's another reason why we've seen this whole flurry of cool, modern brands come into this space, shaking up the market, both on the ingredients side, but also the product side and the marketing and branding side. So yeah, really spearheaded by younger founders. So what does this market look like right now? Sheena, you mentioned these CPG companies. They own, I mean, all of the bigger brands, I would assume. But what are they doing? Are they investing in these smaller companies? How are they shifting the market? They have the market share, but how is the market changing? Can either of you kind of give me a glimpse of the state of the market and how these new brands are shaking things up? So during the past decade, as Tammy and I both discussed, demand for innovative and effective black hair care products, it single-handedly forged this billion-dollar market segment, right? And then you saw these labels like Shea Moisture, which was black-owned, Carol's Daughter, which is black-owned. They grabbed a really hefty chunk of the market before they were snapped up by CPG companies. So Unilever bought Shea Moisture, I think, in 2017. L'Oreal bought Carol's Daughter in 2014. So there's this appetite by these big companies to get a share of this pie. And what they've done is they've acquired the brands that have already built equity with the community. So that's one thing that's happening. I think we're still seeing these up and coming brands like the main choice that that was also acquired, but TGIN, which is thank God it's natural, Myel Organic. So these emerging brands that have come up and they've not yet been acquired. So it's sort of what the market looks like. But when you are bought out as a black hair care company, I think there's a credibility trade-off that happens. I think that's the next thing that consumers are watching. If you Google a Shea Moisture or a Carol's Daughter or now the main choice, you'll see all these articles that come up and say, would you believe that these companies are no longer black owned? So I think that's the next thing to watch. What's the credibility trade-off of being bought out? Do you see consumers complaining about ingredient changes and things like that. I know that happens overall in beauty when someone gets bought. Maybe they have a new supplier or vendor with ingredients. And so I would assume that's even more closely watched in this market where ingredients really do matter for performance and things like that. 
I see that a ton. The big story was around Shea Moisture recently. I don't know, if Tammy, have you watched any of this? But people were actually on social media taking pictures of the back of the ingredient labels and sort of comparing them. I think the interesting thing that happens with natural hair and these products that are supposed to be better for you is that you have this first segment. It's kind of like products are marketed based on what they don't have in them. No parabens, no sulfates, no fill in the blank. The next iteration is now what do you have that's good for my hair? So we've sort of went through that. And consumers that fell in love with products, anytime they see a change, even if it's for the better, they get a little bit skittish. They get concerned. When that change happens underneath the umbrella of a white-run company and you're a black natural hair care product, all of that concern, I think, is doubled. I've seen it on social media. I've seen it on Black Twitter, as they call it. I've seen it on Black Instagram. A lot of bemoaning that these labels are no longer Black-owned. Now there's ingredient changes. We don't really know how to dissect what this means. Like there was a lot of anti-sulfites or sulfates in products. And now people are like, well, if I really want my hair clean, maybe I need a little bit of that. So I think the education probably has to catch up to some of the things that are happening in the market. I really love this point that Monique made when I was chatting with her about the future of her brand. She says her goal is to build a global beauty brand, period. So she uses the word period because I think what she's trying to say there is that black beauty is all beauty, right? Black hair or multicultural hair could mean anything. I think a lot of black founded hair care and beauty companies, their goal is to flip the narrative arc. I think that's the new conversation. I was talking to a black founder. She's going to launch like flat irons and curling irons and those kinds of like accessories and products for black hair and all hair. And she said, I don't think we should be distinguishing this much because I think there's this harm that happens to black women when we call them out like, oh, black women have all these products. Women use a lot of things on their hair, right? The next class of black hair care founders will want to flip the narrative arc. This isn't a segment. This is the market. I think that's where we're headed. That's the goal of these kinds of brands. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You think about Briogeo, the brand which Weller Group actually acquired recently. You know, that was founded by Nancy Twine, and that's a Black-owned hair care brand, but it's marketed as a brand that's focused on natural ingredients, and they have ranges for all types of hair. And I think that's a really good example that kind of speaks to 
what Sheena's talking about. And interestingly, when I was reporting my story last year, the retailers, they were saying this is a big business for them. Buzzy new startups were driving growth, but also new lines from other brands, established brands that were catering to textured hair were also driving growth and very popular. And so I think that there is a lot of different ways that you can come at this market opportunity. So many of these bigger brands have gotten scooped up and it sounds like a Myel Organics is going to be bought soon. And these are incredible entrepreneurship stories of really finding a space in the market that is empty and creating something people need and develop scaling fast, all that stuff. Do you think there's we're going to see a lot more deals in this space? It still feels like there is much more opportunity from what you both have said. I think one thing ultimately as well, a deal can inject money into a business. And yes, you don't need venture funding necessarily to run a successful business, but it helps when you're a tiny brand or a small brand and you're competing against these really big corporate giants like Unilever, like L'Oreal, which have these crazy budgets. It's just really hard, especially in such a a saturated industry. And so being able to spend an insane amount of money on marketing is actually a competitive advantage. So there are also benefits for brands as well when you think about more robust infrastructure that might come with an acquisition. Agreed. And I want to point out that the investment that Mayel got from Berkshire was a non-controlling investment, which is very rare. I love this quote that Marnie Payne, a managing director at Berkshire, said when I spoke with her. She said, this was not an investment that was about change. This was an investment to grow a business that we think is strong enough. I think what that signals is a lot of VCs, a lot of companies that are making investment recognize that they don't want that credibility trade-off, that they want to have black-fronted hair care business businesses because of the value of that. Another thing that's interesting around investment and acquisitions is that, you know, Monique talked about providing education to the community about the ecosystem of acquisitions. Being sold does not mean you sold out. To Tammy's point, there's a lot of back office stuff that can be easily taken care of by a large conglomerate, a CPG, a big beauty conglomerate like L'Oreal. And you cannot negate the value of that to grow a business. It doesn't have to mean that you're taking away the opportunity for generational wealth from a Black founder. It could actually mean the opposite. You might be able to do so much more for your community if you can get a nine-figure investment from a big company. I think those are all things that are hugely important for Black founders to play the role of educating. Monique has a organization called More Than a Strand that invests in Black girls and women. And so there's a lot that she's been able to do because she's gotten investment, not acquired, but investment. And a huge part of Berkshire's plan in investing in her was around supporting that particular community-oriented facet of the business. So I think making people aware of the full picture of what's happening in a Black-founded business is really critical to the bigger story even ultimately access, because often better retail deals, distribution deals come with this kind of support. And that means that the consumer has better access to the product and will probably also get the product for a fairer price because you can scale up your manufacturing and get better margins on things. So the final question I had for both of you, the three of us wrote this piece this past week about the importance of the black consumer to the growth of the luxury market in the U.S. in particular. And it was something that we 
had all discussed for a really long time. And especially the last couple of years has been significant. And we wrote about how the black consumer contributes to the luxury market here in the U.S. It's a very complex story. You should all check it out. I thought it turned out really well and you both did so much work on it. So thank you again. I wanted to know how you thought that what that story said about the black consumer and how it relates back to this, because when we were discussing doing the story on the luxury market and the black consumer, Sheena, your story about Mayel kind of came up in that conversation, too. How do you think it all weaves together? I think the big lesson is around the multidimensional power of the black consumer I think we spent a lot of decades viewing in in fashion and beauty, accessories across the board, including in entertainment, viewing the Black consumer as an inspiration and a muse. What we're seeing more clearly now is that they can be your big revenue driving consumer. A lot of the effort to court the Black consumer, if at all, was around this charitable component. Like, we need to be nice. We need to give back. No, this is actually a revenue-driving segment. Black consumers can be a huge critical component of your P&L, right? Black women, we said this earlier, they single-handedly created this billion-dollar segment within hair care that nobody knew existed just in the last 10 to 15 years. So the bottom line, I would say, is not investing in properly courting the Black consumer in their multidimensional ways is leaving money on the table, which I think our story ultimately came down to. This is an opportunity. This is not charity. It's not being nice. This is a true valuable segment of the market. Can be your inspiration, can be your muse, but it's so much more than that. Tammy, anything to add? Sheena, you're completely right. And what to me is exciting is that you do see this attitude starting to shift. There is more interest in this space from mainstream retailers. There is more interest in this space from the investor side. And it's ultimately for the reason that Sheena mentioned, you need to cater to all of your consumers out there, but also it's a huge market opportunity. It was in the US alone, black consumers spent close to $1.8 billion on hair care last year. That's insane. And it's growing. And investors and retailers are really waking up to that opportunity. Well, I feel that this is probably not the last time we'll have this conversation or the last time we'll do a story on this. It feels like this market is so dynamic and it's something that you'll both be watching. So thank you for being here. And and it was so nice to catch up again and, and really fun to work on that story last week. Thank you so much for having us, Lauren. It was great fun, wasn't it? Thanks, Lauren. You've been listening to The Debrief, produced and edited by Emma Clark, Kate Barton, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I will be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.